Glad you've tuned in to our Linden Road online worship experience. And if this is your first time, we want to give a special greeting to you and say thanks for checking us out. And we'd invite you to click on the digital connection card up above or leave a comment in the chat. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, scroll down to the description and you'll find a link there. We can get your email address and your name. And if there's a prayer request you might have, or if there's a question you might be able to answer, we certainly would invite you to do that. And And we certainly hope it's not your last time. We're so grateful you're here. And if this is your spiritual home, we are grateful, too, that you've joined us and tuned in. And so, again, welcome to you and would invite you to use that same connection card if there's something that we should know here. But together, we're grateful that we can come and worship through this online experience. It's a useful tool uh, in our current life as a church just to keep us connected and so we don't miss out. And I want to share an amazing gift that showed up in the mail this week. Uh, was blessed by this card that was uh, in the mailbox. It says, oh, hey there, has a fun picture of a, a horse. Uh, but what's interesting, just inside, I want to share the words. Pastor Tom, just wanted to let you know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying the rich blessing of a deeper revelation of God's love for you and all those around you, praying for every place in you and those in your care to be healed body soul and spirit the wholeness and the vitality of christ is yours i pray for supernatural grace to be given to you as you shepherd each beautiful treasure that is in your flock Uh, love and prayers a sister in christ and there was a kind gift included too uh, for me to bless my my bride melinda as we uh, celebrated valentine's day uh, last week and her birthday this past week and so just grateful for just this random act of kindness and I share that because I'm wondering who could you bless in a similar kind of way Uh, somebody who just needs to be encouraged and would encourage you to do that this season that we find ourselves in we we just miss community so much and I would encourage you to reach out with a text message or an email or even a phone call or how about even better go knock on the door and show up and encourage somebody just as uh, this person encouraged me and I hope encouraged you and just grateful for their faithfulness and so many good ways and then even those that are watching on YouTube we've had a number of people that have reached out to us via our YouTube channel and just blown away by that just how technology it can be sterile at times and disconnected but at the same time it can be a beautiful tool and so again we're grateful that you're here and grateful that we can participate this way. As we come to worship, I want to remind you we're looking at a series called Ordinary Angels. is helping us in our message series called Unveiling Purpose. And the movie actually dropped this past week. And so I hope you get a chance to go to the theater and watch it. Uh, it's really important, I think, as Christian movies come out. And this is a really good movie. It's a good story. I hope you enjoyed the clips. I'm sorry about last week that uh, one of the clips we weren't able to show online because of just uh, copyright issues, but I'm grateful for the partnership with uh, Kingdom Story and with uh, Lionsgate and and just how good stories can help encourage us. There's a number of other movies that are coming out, along with, of course, we've, we've talked The Chosen is currently showing in theaters. But what a beautiful opportunity, especially in the season of Lent, to bring people 
to a, maybe a better understanding of God's love through this visual medium. And so I hope you'll get a chance. And if you do, I uh, would be delighted to hear your thoughts on, on Ordinary Angels or even The Chosen, if you've seen that. So good that we can use technology to grow the kingdom. We are in our third week here in this series called Unveiling Purpose. We're looking at the idea of how to find hope when life seems upside down and drawing on the beautiful story that we find in this current movie called Ordinary Angels. As we've gathered here and we've watched a couple of clips, even the trailer, in fact, let's take a moment and check out the trailer right now. Dad, I have a situation. I want to look pretty for mommy. Well, maybe just a little off the cheeks. I read about this family in the paper. Something about that little girl without a mom. Sick. I think I'm supposed to help. Daddy! My belly hurts. Oh. So we have the story of Ed that's played by actor Alan Richson and how he's walked through a season of having lost his uh, best friend and bride and the mother of his children and is now walking through the difficulties of a child who needs a liver transplant. And then we also meet this amazing woman named Sharon Stevens. It's played by actress Hilary Swank, who's a total stranger to the family, but at the same time, leans into understanding her own self and then through her own journey of wanting to bless this family finds purpose in life. And as we've talked the last couple of weeks uh, to be reminded that there is purpose in our pain when we experience the difficulties of life and that even last week we unpacked looking at the story of John the Baptist the idea there's purpose when we doubt and how we can better understand ourselves in those moments when we question and that questioning uh, just where life's taking us and the things we're experiencing, that all those things are healthy and part of our faith journey. And what it does is uh, pushes us in a direction to depend upon God even more. Now, I think it's interesting as we think about this week, we're gonna talk about purpose through our parenting. And I know some of us may be in a season where we're done with that, maybe. But on the other hand, I'm not so much sure, based upon conversations with my own mom, that parenting stops. Uh, that it's always an ongoing process for each generation. Uh, I know, too, that uh, with the families I walk with now in this season, that parenting is a difficult thing. And no matter where we're at, whether it's one child or, or five, is it's complicated. And so today what I want to try to do is uh, lean into just offering some hope when we might be struggling with those things. I agree totally with uh, comedian uh, Jim Gaffigan, who says this. He says, sometimes I don't feel qualified to be a parent I call those times being awake. Yeah, no kidding, right? But when we think about this idea of parenting, how do you approach it or how did you approach it? Uh, I know it's difficult and it's challenging, but how do even our kids think we've handled uh, these challenges of life? And I think it's important because they're watching us as we lean into the difficulties that we face. And in the movie Ordinary Angels, there are, uh, there are three times in this movie 
where Ed, the main character, his daughter needs to go to the hospital. And each time this takes place, there's this amazing dad that uh, Ed leans into being where he says to his discouraged daughter, do you want to go on an adventure? And as he says that to her, she looks back at him and trusts him and with enthusiasm says, uh, yeah, I can only understand partially of how special a parent has to be in dealing with that, that kind of frightening health issue of where the adventure they share together actually brings the relationship even closer. And what we see with Ed, we see his passion and his unconditional love for his daughter, Michelle, and we see it throughout the whole movie. And so let me ask you this question. Is your love and passion for your children evident to all? As people look at you, as you love your children, do people see that? Again, another author, Tim Kimmel, says this. He says, you've been handed a piece of history in advance, a gracious gift you send to a time you will not see, and you play the biggest role in how that history will ultimately be recorded. I know many of us have amazing or had amazing parents, and we learned through watching them how, how to be a great mom or dad. And I also know, too, partly because of the men that I work with in, in jail, that uh, that they have learned how to be a great parent because of what they grew up without, of what not to do. And so that's what we see here in the story today, uh, in the scriptural part of our story. I want to say I know as a parent or even a grandparent, it's impossible to bat a thousand. Uh, but that's exactly when we look at the scripture story today that's so encouraging to me to see. It shows both the good and the bad examples of being a parent. In, a, in one single story here in Scripture in the Old Testament. So this story comes to us out of the book of 1 Samuel, and it's a story about a priest named Eli, who was a good man, but was a very weak spiritual leader in his home. And Eli meets a woman named Hannah and her husband Elkanah. Part of her story is that she's unable to get pregnant, and it was incredibly uh, disappointing to her. And I know many can identify with that idea of being barren. And so each year, she and her husband would make the journey to, to worship in a small town called Shiloh. And there she would come to the temple and she would pour her heart out to God. And she would beg him that she would be allowed to have a child. See here in 1 Samuel, it says, And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but you give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. That was her simple prayer. And Eli, who was the priest there, heard that. And he sends her on her way. And he says to her, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Now, not too soon after that, Hannah becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son who she names Samuel. Hannah is grateful and gives glory to God for this child. Now, continuing here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, she says, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. What's amazing here is Hannah doesn't just dedicate him to God. She keeps her promise and gives him back to the Lord. And what that helps us understand is this privilege that we have, even the blessing it is that God allows us to be able to have a child or even adopt a child, or maybe even pouring into the life of a niece or a nephew or, or a grandchild. What I want to do today is focus on four, what I want to call gifts, that parents need to give their children. 
And so the first gift is this. It's the, the idea of consistent discipline. Now, if you're a young person hearing this, you're like, what? That doesn't sound much like a gift, right? Consistent discipline. And in their mind, discipline has mostly a negative connotation. And it may be that your parents disciplined you out of anger, or there was no rhyme or reason or consistency to it. Now, what's interesting here in this text is that we learn that Eli the priest, he happens to have two sons. And their names were Hophni and Phinehas. And those are names we probably don't know. In 1 Samuel chapter 2 to verse 12, it says, Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. That pretty much sums it up, I guess. And I don't know if you've ever seen the word scoundrel in Scripture, but that's what they were. And when I think of the word scoundrel, I think of like Pirates of the Caribbean, that they're, you know, scallywags and scoundrels were kind of thing. But what was going on here is that they were grossly abusing their authority. And these two men made certain that they got a much bigger portion of the food sacrifices uh, as the food was brought in to feed the priests. And it was something they weren't supposed to get. They were going beyond their allotted portions. And it's interesting that this is taking place in the house of the Lord. And so, again, continuing here in uh, verse 17, it says, This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. And what this shows us is this uh, pattern of disobedience is taking place here that probably started in their younger years and just continued on into their adult years. And so we can learn a positive lesson from this negative example. Basically, if bad behavior isn't confronted early, it will get worse and worse. Or let me say it this way. Realize that your little angel isn't a little angel. That the reality is that our children are sinners. And so are we as the parents of the child. That we're all infected with this uh, sinful nature. And the truth is, the purpose of discipline is basically to underscore this idea that I believe in you. Because when you discipline someone, it basically shouts to the child, I know what you're capable of and you need to do better. This idea of discipline is an outgrowth of our love. And maybe that's why the words uh, disciple or discipline come from the same root word. And this idea of parenthood is modeled on the relationship between God and us that God has the right to call the shots, and as parents, we do too with our children. And what I think is a problem in our culture today is too many parents want their child to be their friend. They, they want their child to, to like them. And unfortunately, being the parent, you're already putting yourself in a place where that's going to be complicated. And really, truthfully, uh, throughout adolescence, they don't need you to be a friend. They need you to be their parent. And the truth is, too, I think, and I've seen this in so many families, that if you lean towards being lenient, that what's going to happen is the child will always play up to you. In other words, they won't take you seriously and they end up actually manipulating you. And I believe the biggest mistake that parents make is failing to be consistent with their discipline and expectations. Now, a couple things just to say at the outset is that we don't want to discipline our children in public and we don't want to do it out of anger or frustration. We always want to do it out of love. Them see it's not punishment, but it's actually correction. Now, some parents, I think, give way too much freedom. And then when they realize their kids are out of control, they try to rein them in, and then it goes even worse. And so we need to have rules, and we need to have restrictions. But there's also this model from Scripture where God wants us to be uh, progressively releasing our kids, that the whole point of discipline help them be become adults. Because when you're in the early years, 
you really do have the right to establish the rules as parents, as mom and dad, because you're calling the shots. And eventually you're hoping that they're going to understand the why of why the decisions have been made. And then through the loving discipline to help them become uh, good citizens. Now, I know there's a lot of rules in the early years, and that's a good thing. And in fact, the idea of having rules helps to establish security. That It really does having boundaries helps a child feel secure in what life is bringing them. Because what we're saying is this, is that because I love you, there are consequences. And then as they grow older and they prove themselves more faithful to being able to be compliant and doing as they're instructed, they are given more and more freedom and even more responsibility. And what we want to say too is that the parent who balances this tension between love and discipline without compromising on it is more likely to raise well-adjusted kids. Now, the biblical principle that we find in this that Jesus teaches in Matthew 25 is this, is to be faithful in the small things and I will put you in charge of many things. So parents need to have consistent discipline and that's just the first point. The second is this idea and it's a gift of positive affirmation. This much we know to be true is that the words that you say have weight and power and those words are going to linger and last in the mind of that of that young person long after they are spoken. I've heard that so many times, men that I've worked with that are in jail, even the young men that I'm working with through mentoring, is that the words that their parents have uttered to them have cut them to the quick. And we know how, how powerful positive words can be. Remember last week we shared from Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, about how Jesus needed affirmation, where the scriptures tell us, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. And so as our children get older, we have to give them a steady diet of affirmation. And in doing so, it will make your words of challenge or rebuke be heard against a balanced backdrop. It's really important to see this. All of us need to be validated in our journey to adulthood, in our children especially. John Eldridge says this, Your son or daughter, no matter how old, will always want and need to hear these words from you. You have what it takes. You are worth fighting for. What that simply means is I believe in you and you can do this. So what can you do to affirm your kids? How can we catch our children, your son doing something right or your daughter doing something right in front of others to be able to speak praise? Can you let your daughter know that you think she's beautiful and smart and talented? Even grandparents, what you could do is write a letter to encourage your grandchild. And I promise that if you do that, they're going to read it over and over again. And it will be a treasure that they will hold for years to come. And so here's the third gift for our children is that they need wise direction. Sometimes those are words of challenge. And other times they're helping them chart their course and learning to navigate their way with a demanding teacher. Or maybe in a difficult friendship or in a devastating disappointment. See, these are all opportunities for teaching. They're all opportunities, not difficulties. They're all opportunities to point this younger person in the right direction. And hopefully, ultimately, to point them to Jesus. So let's go back to the story in the Old Testament. Evidently, Eli was silent in the early years with his sons, and they lacked direction. So we continue here in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So he said to them, 
Why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. Yeah, so this is messy, right? These are the priest's sons. This is crazy. And they're working right alongside their dad in the temple who happens to be a priest. And these sons are, are pulling aside the women who were coming to worship and they were doing some really improper things with them. And it's interesting here, the Bible says his sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke. Their dad says to them to do and what not to do, but they didn't listen to him. And he didn't put any teeth behind what he said. And, and my guess is, is that this has been a pattern their entire life. He was there, but he wasn't there. And so his ministry, if you will, had captured more of his attention than his children had. So here's this one observation I make. It's tough to be the discipliner or to offer words of affirmation or even words of direction if you're not there. Absence communicates silence rather than words. Pastor Craig Roussel says this, if you don't want your children to turn out like everyone else's kids, then you will need to raise them differently than everyone else. And I know we all realize that parenting can be frustrating, to say the least, at times. See, there are times as parents when we get lost in our own world, in our, in our own messiness, in our own sea of troubles. In, in doing so, we become blind to the needs of our family and for those around us. Now, I want to go to our movie. There's a moment here in the movie of Ordinary Angels when Sharon is perceptive enough to see that both Ed and the girls could use some fun. So check this out. Girls, you got a camera? Smile. Smile. Ed, no one's gonna hire a guy who can't manage a smile. <laughs> Girls, help your daddy out. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's really tough, I think, for dads especially to allow someone else to help or even to intervene when life is complicated, especially when it comes to finances. And so what we have here is in that moment is there's a sense of failure or a sense of being inadequate uh, to the task of what it means to be a parent. But to fulfill our purpose as a parent and to raise a child in this world, it's going to take intentionality, and it's actually going to take the positive influence of many others. Again, one of our heroes we look to all the time is King David. He shares some insights in the book of Psalms that are applicable to all of us as parents. In fact, he says this is a metaphor for raising children. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. That's Psalm 127 verses four and five. See, I love this analogy because King David compares uh, children with arrows. And so what can we glean from that? It's a beautiful metaphor. Back then, what process did an arrow have to undergo? Well, for an arrow to serve its purpose, it had to be straight, sharp, aimed, and released. And so basically, it sounds like raising kids, right? You are raising them to release them. That's what we're doing as parents. That's the goal in parenting that you're helping them uh, mature and prepare for independence and adulthood. And the beautiful thing is an arrow can never fulfill its purpose if you don't let it go. And truthfully, the arrows fly straighter and more freely when they know you believe in them. Which then brings us to this final point. It's this idea of spiritual guidance. That's the final gift. 
The truth is, if the kingdom's going to advance, the best way to spread the gospel is for parents to joyfully and consistently live out their faith. And when they do that, their family tree is going to be changed for all of eternity. See, what we're doing here is paving the way for our children to make their faith in Jesus Christ, make it their own, and not their parents' faith. Now, we know this much from the story, that Hopney and Phineas weren't listening to their father, Eli. This young man, Samuel, was, though. Samuel was growing up right there in the house of the Lord. He was listening and he was learning from his priest, and the Bible says that he was growing in favor with the Lord. Again, 1 Samuel chapter 3 tells us that Samuel is living there at the house of the Lord, and he's been there for a number of years. We think he's probably a teenager, as the scripture story is told here. We don't know exactly, but Samuel is all about to fall asleep when he hears his name called out. And he thinks it's Eli, but Eli says, I didn't call you. And after this happens a third time, a light bulb comes on in Eli's mind, and he realizes that what's taking place here is that it's the Lord. God, Yahweh, is calling to him. And so Eli tells Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The Bible says that the Lord came and stood there, calling out, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Again, here in uh, chapter 3, verse 11, God said to Samuel, listen carefully. I'm getting ready to do something in Israel that is going to, to shake everyone up and get their attention. That's the message version. And what's beautiful about this is that God goes on and shares with his teen some of the things that he's planning to do in Israel at that time. And then God shares information that will help Samuel become the godly leader that the Lord wants him to be. And so what we need to know here is that if we teach our child to listen to God's voice and how to know God's will, God might use your child to shake things up for an entire nation. And so what we need to be reminded, even with our adult children, that our children of all ages, is that we need to pray for them. We find here Hannah's parenting story literally begins with her praying for a pregnancy, and then she continues to pray with prayers for Samuel as he grows up. And so what we need to see is that the task of raising godly kids is way too big, and we are way too small to start anywhere except praying on our knees, that prayer is our most potent weapon as a parent. So I want to point something out here in the story, and I hope you don't miss it. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it begins by saying, the boy Samuel ministered under the Lord under Eli. So he's in the right place. He's in God's house, and he's worshiping. He's learning, and he's serving, and that's all good. And here's the verse that we really need to see. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 7. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Wait a minute. Is that a misprint? Wait, back up for a second. I mean, it says that Samuel was serving. He was ministering, and we, we need to see this. He knew about the Lord, but he didn't know the Lord yet. And so what we need to see as we think about our children and our grandchildren is that it's entirely possible for a child to grow up at church, be a part of all the youth programming, play in the sports league, go to church camp, go to student leadership opportunities in the summer, and then even maybe do a mission trip and still not know Jesus. And I think that's really important for us to say that religious activity doesn't just automatically become spiritual intimacy or salvation. And I think this is true for us as adults also. Because if religious activity is the ultimate goal, Jesus would have been urging on the Pharisees rather than rebuking them. I want to say as 
all these activities that we've done as the church, they're all good things. They're just not a substitute for the best thing, which is making Jesus the Lord of your life. And that's a personal choice that every child has to make. Third John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, it doesn't say the children are sitting in the truth or that they're knowledgeable of the truth. It says that they're walking in the truth. It's an active kind of understanding. The truth is moving in their lives and it's moving in yours. Now, the truth is, too, we've all made mistakes and we wish we could have some mulligans or what we say do-overs, the woulda, coulda, shouldas. But we can learn from our past rather than we live in it. The truth is our past, as Rick Warren says, is our prologue. You need to be reminded that there are no perfect parents, that God is more concerned with your direction than he is your perfection. There's a story told about a young man by the name of Aaron. He's nine years old. He had just attended church camp for the very first time. His dad, author and preacher and even a mentor of mine, I would consider, Aaron McManus, loved his heart for the kingdom. He thought it would be a good experience, but the boy came home troubled and frightened and even wanting to sleep with the lights on in his bedroom. It turned out that the counselors had told all these crazy stories at night, these crazy dark demon stories even. And it's interesting that Aaron's eyes, as his dad tells the story, welled up with tears and he said, pray for me, daddy. And he actually pleaded that from his bed. Pray that God will make me safe. And what's interesting is Aaron leans down and says, I'm not going to pray that God will make you safe. I'm going to pray that God will make you dangerous. So dangerous that when you enter a room, all the demons will have to flee. And Aaron responds, all right, dad, then pray that God would make me really dangerous. That's a beautiful story. These words of life had a long-term spiritual impact on Aaron. What if you were to stop praying prayers of safety for your child? or your grandchild and start praying for God to boldly use your child as an instrument of the Lord. So that's really the task here. So as we think about our purpose, unveiling our purpose as parents and grandparents, we need to look at how we are pouring into our children. And not just our biological children, but even our spiritual children, those that we give oversight to in our church. All of that to be understood that we need to excel in these four areas that we want them to become fully devoted followers by leaning into these ideas. And so we need to give them discipline, that I believe in you too much not to let you get away with this, that then we need to talk about affirmation, that I believe in you because God has gifted you, the idea of direction, that I believe that you will wisely make the right choice, and then finally spiritual guidance, that I believe in you and how your witness can be used for Jesus Christ. Pastor Crawford Loritz says this, at birth you look like your parents and at death you look like your decisions. So parents, we need to decide to pour into the lives of our children. Whether you're a parent or a grandparent or not, let me just say for those of you who have never completely put your trust in Jesus Christ, you may be going through some crisis moments in your life, but today I pray that you will hear that whisper like Samuel did from your Heavenly Father saying, do you want to go on an adventure? And that God means it when he says, you see, the Christian life isn't always smooth sailing. There will be plenty of ups and downs, but Jesus promises never to leave or forsake us. So when he invites you to go on an adventure, it's really an invitation to a deep, abiding personal relationship with the God of the universe. And I pray you would start that journey if you already haven't. And so let's pray. 
Father in heaven, for those of us who have been blessed and entrusted with a child, we give you thanks for that privilege and that responsibility. Help us to fill our purpose as parents. Will you give us your wisdom through your Holy Spirit to work more on their hearts than their behavior, more on pleasing you than their teachers, and more on preparing for eternity than succeeding in the world's eyes? We pray it all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for being with us this weekend. So glad you're here. And I do hope you can get an opportunity to go see Ordinary Angels in the theaters. But in all these things, as we say each week, we want to be reminded that we have been blessed to be a blessing. So go forth and serve Jesus Christ in his name. Amen. Have a great week.